All right, open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Heavenly Father, help us as we look at your word today. Lord, thank you for the gift of motherhood that you have given to us. And Lord, I pray that this is an encouragement to our moms today. In Jesus' name, amen. It is interesting how um, oh, life teaches you things. You know, this is, um, I think, the, uh, the second Mother's Day that I have lived through with my mom in heaven. And it, it just gives you a different perspective. How many of you, your moms are in heaven, home with the Lord? It, it, it's, it's a different uh, feeling to the day, isn't it? And it, it just makes me so, so thankful for my mom. And uh, maybe one of these days I'll be able to, to tell you some things about her. I'm not quite ready to do that yet, if you all understand. But one of these days... I want to tell you about my mom's life and the kind of lady that she was. Um, but I can tell you this, I'm very thankful that God gave me a godly mother. Um, she was saved as a child. There was a business executive, he was the head of a steel mill, and um, he, would he would pick up my mother and my uncle and some other kids and take them to church in the company limousine. And uh, they thought that was so cool. But uh, she grew up, uh, she didn't grow up in a Christian home, uh, her mother, uh, when they were little, would lock them out of the house during the day uh, so that she could drink. And it, you know, she grew up in a, you know, in an upper middle class home, but it, it wasn't a, a loving home. And to see what God did in her life through salvation, um, the kind of uh, wife that she was to my father, the kind of mother that she was to us, that's what God's grace does in a person's life. Amen. Look, you can't pick where you start, but you can pick where you finish. Isn't that right? Uh, that great theologian, Oprah Winfrey, said, um, she said, yes, you had a rough childhood, but it's over. You know? Um, I can't think of anything else good she ever said, but that was really, that was really good. Um, and, you know, and I'm just thankful that my mom's life was a testimony to that. And she was a faithful wife. She was a hard-working mother. Um, she understood sacrifice. She had um, some wealthy aunts. And uh, the, the one aunt had been Thomas uh, Edison's secretary. And uh, she married someone high up in, in Western Electric. And, and her sister uh, married well and so when they died, um, my mom got an inheritance. And that inheritance went to buy a church building for the church that my father had planted in Wallingford, Connecticut. And I can tell you this, mom and dad could have used that money in their latter days, but when you see what God did in the lives of the people in that church, that's, that's the kind of lady that my mother was. And it's just wonderful to know what God's Word, what the Holy Spirit, and what God's grace does in the life of a believer. Isn't that a blessing? She didn't have modeled for her um, what a loving mother would be. 
Um, I don't know if you're supposed to say this publicly, but my grandmother was mean. <laughs> I remember I, uh, I was watching, uh, I'd gotten into bodybuilding, and I was doing weightlifting and everything, and I was just a young man. How many of you are shocked? Right? <laughs> I'm shocked. And uh, so I was watching some bodybuilding contest, and they said that this guy had 16-inch biceps or whatever, and I'd measured my dad's, and my dad's biceps were 16 inches. I thought that was cool, just a young guy, you know. And so I told my grandmother that. And she, that, that's, and she said, that's because he has 20 pounds of fat on each arm. That's, that's my grandmother. My mom was just the opposite, always positive. I think I've told you before, if the house was burning down, she'd say, let's get marshmallows, <laughs> you know. <laughs> mom really did make us believe that we could accomplish anything. I'm serious. I grew up believing that I could do anything in the world that I wanted to do, and that's the confidence that my mother gave me. It, where did she get that? Where did that come from? Certainly not from her childhood. Where did it come from? It came from the Lord. It came from the grace that God gave her, and then that grace was given to us children. And it's just I'm just so thankful for that. But look at what this verse says. It says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. So father instructs. And what's it say? Forsake not the what? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? You know, it's funny. At our house, if dad's cooking, you know, it's McDonald's or pizza, and there's got to be candy or ice cream or something with it. Dads, are you all with me? Amen? Are you there? You know, and with mom, it's, it's, it's just different. It's different. And it's interesting, the instruction of your father, the law of your mother, I like that. I like that. And what's interesting about this text, for the most part, children are going to spend a lot more time with their mothers than they do their fathers. Isn't that right? And so uh, when dad's at work, the children are with mom, primarily. And that's where having a mother that knows the truth and believes the truth and instills that truth into the lives of their children. Notice what it says. It's chains about your neck. If you train, if you train your child right, then when the pathway goes to evil, that chain around the neck of mom's law drags the child back into the right. And you all have heard this where mom said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> there is something to that. There is something to that. Um, one man said this, One child lost to the faith usually becomes a family lost to the faith. And not, and not many generations later, a whole community of unbelievers is set in motion because of some earlier neglect of parental duties. You ladies who, you really do know God and you believe God's Word and, and you say, not in my house. We're not going to do that. I'm so thankful for you godly ladies. I'm thankful for a godly mother who never, <laughs> I just promise you, that would not have been in our house. Now, my dad was strong in that area. But if dad hadn't been there, it would not have been in the house. I'm so thankful for a godly mother, and I'm thankful for you godly mothers. And I want to encourage you to continue standing. God has entrusted to mothers the most precious gifts of God's creation, and that is children. Someone said of motherhood is the highest and noblest of callings. The little lives within the sphere of your influence will reflect your virtue 
and your character. Boy, is that challenging? The little children within the sphere of your influence will reflect your virtue and your character. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your children did not have to overcome your testimony to be right with God, but could live your testimony and be right with God? Isn't that better? Look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 13, the Bible says, And they brought young children to him, that's Jesus, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Uh, Isn't that our culture? If you want to expose a child to Jesus Christ today, the culture says you're not supposed to do that. Isn't that interesting? Let the kids decide for themselves. Don't force religion on them. So force irreligion on them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer, allow the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for uh, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. How many of you would love to see your children in Jesus' arms? Amen. Who is the best person to place them there? Their mother and their father. Their mother and their father. Uh, how many of you you were really brought to Christ through your parents? Okay, hold, hold your hands up. Everybody look around. Now, okay, now let's do this. All you, all you young people that are here at the front, stand up and turn around. Okay, you guys over here, stand up, turn around. Okay, let's do that again. I want you kids to see this. How many of you folks were brought to the Lord through your parents? Raise your hands. Good. Thank you. You can sit down. Did you young people see that? All of the efforts that we do in evangelism, and look at the number of our people that were brought to the Lord through their parents. Uh, 85% of people who get saved are saved before they're 15 years old. So the chances of someone coming to Christ decrease rapidly once they reach maturity. So what does that tell you young people? You need to have a Christian home. You need to make sure that you marry a godly young lady, that you young ladies marry a godly young man, and you bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they can know Christ. The best people to put the children in Jesus' arms are the parents. Now it says they brought children unto Him. Who do you think was bringing their children to Jesus to be blessed? Their parents. Their parents. I wonder, as parents, who are we putting our children's... Whose arms are we putting our children into? What a question. Let's bring them to Jesus. Let's bring them to Jesus. No one knows and cares about the great calling and ministry that you have more than your Savior. You know, God has entrusted us with children. It's it's an unbelievable responsibility. And we're so proud when they do well, aren't we? I mean, while Jake was playing the piano, I, I, I wanted to tell you all this. I mean, yeah, that he made up that arrangement himself. And he, he had it in his mind and memorized it and did all of that. And he's way better than your kids. <laughs> <You know? 
How many of you would dispute that? Would <laughs> you raise your hands? Amen. All you dads. Um, what, we, we're just so proud when our children do well, but there's no hurt and disappointment like when our children's do evil. When our children's. It's like Jocelyn Elders, you know, our children's. Um, it, there's no hurt or disappointment like when our children go away from the Lord. Isn't that right? So let's do everything we can. Let's do everything we can as godly parents, as godly moms and dads, to model a loving and godly home and to, to rear our children, to raise our children, to love Him. Amen? Amen. Some of you still aren't past that my son's better than your son, but that's all right. Um, I want you to see, what I want to speak about for you moms today is this. Um, God's power for godly mothers. God's power for godly mothers. Now, I dare say there are no perfect mothers in this room. Right? Uh, men, women, we're all sinners. Isn't that right? At the uh, concealed carry class yesterday, I said that. We're all sinners. If we weren't all sinners, we wouldn't need the concealed carry class. Isn't that right? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. So you moms, you'll look back at your life and you might see some, some failing that you've had in your life and you wonder, how am I going to be able to raise godly children considering what has been in my own life? And I want you to see from Scripture that, that God will give you the power to do that. Go to Genesis Genesis chapter 3. One day, um, Adam and his children were walking by the gates to the Garden of Eden. And they said, uh, Dad, what's that? And he said, that's where we used to live. And he said, uh, why don't we live there? The child said, why don't we live there anymore? And he said, well, your mother ate us out of house and home. <laughs> can, <laughs> can you imagine... Can, can you imagine how Eve felt? Listen, can you imagine how Eve felt when her son Cain killed her son Abel? Do, do you think that she knew that she had a part in that? Because sin entered into the world because of her sin and Adam's sin. Is that right? Can you imagine the guilt? Uh, I, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, for a parent, there's no loss to compare with the loss of a child. We often hear this parents aren't supposed to bury their children. And she did. Um, but here's the blessing. With the curse, look at Genesis chapter 3. With the curse for sin was also a promise for salvation. Look at what the Bible says. In verse, in verse 15, I will, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. I want you to think about something. Do you think Eve knew that she had sinned? I promise you, every time she had a child, she knew. That pain, that sorrow in childbirth is, is a result of the fall. 
But look at what God gives in this promise. Yeah, you're going to have sorrow in childbirth, but the salvation for the world is going to come. Listen, through you, Eve. How's that for the grace of God? God, even though Eve had had a part in the fall of the entire human race, God let her have a part in its salvation. Look at what the Bible says in verse in chapter 4 verse 25 this is after Cain had killed Abel the bible says and Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name Seth and look at what she said for God she said had appointed me another what's the word seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew Look at chapter 3 and verse 15 again. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Now, we know this is the promise of the virgin birth, right? Because women don't have seed. But look at what Eve said. Eve said, God has given me another appoint, another son, an appointed seed. And that's where Jesus Christ came from this seed. How many of you think that's God's power? Isn't that wonderful? You see, God gave Eve the opportunity to redeem her life, to make her life count for something good. Isn't that right? Her life did bring sin into the world, but through her and through her son, God brought salvation into the world. Praise the Lord. What an amazing God. God had promised a deliverer, and this deliverer has come in the person of Jesus Christ. This hope was in the heart of Eve as a result of the promise of God. So the first mother on earth had as her greatest hope that her child would defeat Satan. Praise the Lord. How much more should mothers today have a similar awareness and hope that their children would grow up to reject and defeat Satan? I want you to think about something. Look at uh, 1 John chapter 2. You moms, this is pretty cool right here. First John chapter 2, and look at verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for your name's sake. And you know, our, our children... You know, in, in junior church downstairs, that's about what they understand. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, the, here's, a, here's a parenthesis, okay? I was listening to this guy uh, while I was in Argentina. I was doing some research for a meeting I'm doing on Reformed theology. And this preacher was saying that, you know, us preaching the gospel to children is inappropriate, that they can't make a that they can't truly repent the he was saying that a person can't get saved until they truly hate their sin how many of you got saved as a child just think of what that saved you from amen jesus said unless somebody receives the kingdom of god like a little child they can't be saved it's simple, childlike trust. Jesus loves me. This I know. What does this passage say? I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. That's all that a person needs to know. 
I thought of this. This guy said you can't get saved unless you hate your sin enough. And I was thinking this. I've been saved for 35 years, and I still don't hate my sin enough. Any of you testify to that with me? Does that mean none of us can be saved? The other thing that I thought of is there's not a verse in the Bible that says you've got to hate your sin enough to get saved. How can you possibly know how sinful you are as a sinner? How, how can you possibly understand that? You can't. Okay, that's the end of the parenthesis. Let's get back to the nice, sweet, happy Mother's Day sermon. Um, look at verse 13. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. And this is the part that, that goes with the, the Genesis. This is so cool. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Because you have overcome the wicked one. What did Eve do? Eve had a son that God promised that through him, God would defeat Satan. Every one of you mothers want your children to overcome the wicked one. Isn't that right? According to the Word of God, they can. They begin as little children who understand that their sins are forgiven. And they grow into young people, young men, who through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God overcome the wicked one in their lives. Isn't that a blessing? What is that? That is that you guys, you young people, you young people, that you can say no to Satan through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? We can do that because the Savior came through Seth, through this child that God gave Eve. Praise the Lord. Now, how many of you know that our culture is moving away from godliness? How many of you recognize that? And that for a mother to raise their child to love the Lord is going to become more and more difficult. Imagine if somebody told you, moms, that it is now against the law for you to raise your child to know God. What are you going to do? What should you do? Do you remember what happened in the book of Exodus with Jochebed? Do you remember what happened there? Look at Exodus chapter 1. Now, Pharaoh was worried that the children of Israel were going to overtake his kingdom. So Exodus chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was uh, Shifra, and the name of another was Pua. I'm going to name my next daughter is Pua. This is my little daughter, Pua. Um, and he said, <laughs> it's a Bible name. And he said... When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. One preacher said this, Pharaoh had decreed that the male children should die and the mother defied even the command of the king and determined that the child should live. So right from the beginning, the battle of right against might was fought at the cradle. And I want you to think about something, mothers. If the government says that you're not allowed to teach your children the truth of the Word of God, you are fighting for that child's life every bit as much as Jochebed was fighting for the life of her son, Moses. Do you all agree with that? If there is eternal life and if there is eternal death, 
And that eternal life is based on the truth of the Word of God. And eternal death is based on the rejection of the truth of the Word of God. If the, the authorities ever come to you and they say, you are no longer allowed to teach your child this, then you are in the exact same battle that Jochebed was for her son. And what did she do? She defied the king. She defied the king. She defied the government. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Gives us a commentary on this. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 23. This is interesting right here. By faith, Moses, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. How about that? Now, let me ask you a question. Did they have good reason to fear? But they loved their child and they believed God more than they feared the king's commandment. Now, I think that every mother in here would do the same thing. I think you would. But there are a lot of mothers who look at the cultural stigma of having a baby and just kill the baby. Is that going on right now in our culture? Yeah. Yeah, there are people that find out they're going to have a boy, so they kill it because they want a girl. Or they, they want to have a girl, so they, they kill the baby because they want a boy. Or, or it's just inconvenient right now. Can you believe that? When you say it in those terms, which, of course, it's never said, when you say it in those terms, you know, Margaret Sanger establishing Planned Parenthood so that we could kill the black babies because they didn't want that many black babies to come along. That's where Planned Parenthood came from. The undesirable races. We had to eliminate the undesirable races. When the Bible talks about in the end times that people would be without natural affection, is there any greater picture of that than this? And yet, when the government wanted to kill the children, the godly mother said no. And what did God do? God raised a deliverer from this child that was saved by his mother. It was an act of faith in the fact that God would be able to overrule circumstances. Her reverence for God was greater than her fear of men. And, and how did God do this? Do you remember the story? God has her save the boy, and what does she do? She's able to keep him for about three months, and then he's, gonna, he's just starting to make too much noise, and there's no way. And so she saw the, the king's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter. And so he, she made an ark, a little boat out of the bulrushes, and she put her baby in and floated the baby down to where Pharaoh's daughter was. But she didn't just let him go. She came alongside. She sent a sister alongside. And the sister was there. And when the Pharaoh's daughter found the baby, the sister offered a nursemaid, someone to help raise the baby. And just happened to be the baby's mom. And so what did God do? God, remember Pharaoh, what was Pharaoh afraid of? That the Jews would rise up and overthrow him. And what did God do? God had the one who would overthrow him raised in his own house. 
What an amazing God. Could it have happened without the faith of Jochebed? No. No. God used a godly mother to defy the king to raise the son who would overthrow the king. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing God. The fear of Pharaoh was overcome by the power of God. Praise the Lord. Then the last one I want you to think about is Bathsheba. Look at uh, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 12. It is interesting that when we think of Bathsheba, we think of her sin with David. And isn't it the way it always is, David and Bathsheba? You think of David and Goliath and David and Bathsheba. That's primarily the way that you think of it, isn't it? But that's not the way that the Scriptures leave it. Look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse 24. Now, remember what had happened. David, in the time when the kings go to war, David was supposed to be leading his troops in battle, but he stayed back. And as he did, he he was at his palace, and he looked out, and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And when he found out that Bathsheba was with child, he had her husband Uriah killed. I mean, it's just a horrible situation. It's a horrible situation. So God punished David and Bathsheba by that baby dying. And so now, following that, look what the Bible says, Second Samuel 12, look at verse 24. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and look at this, and the Lord loved him. Isn't God's grace just amazing? God's grace is just spectacular. God's power to change a life is seen in how God is able to forgive great sin. And again, you might be a mom here today and you've got something in your past and you wonder, how in the world can God ever use me? Well, look at what God did with Bathsheba. From her relationship with David, God gave her the wisest man to ever live, the one who would build the temple where he would be worshipped. That is the great grace of our amazing God. He certainly is the God of the second chance. God's power to change a life is seen in how God is able to help a mother to forgive. There was a mother in England time past, and her daughter went into sin, and she couldn't find her. And she went to the pastor and said, what should I do? And he said, get every photograph that you have of your daughter. Bring them to me. And the pastor took all those pictures, and on the bottom of the picture he wrote, come home, come home. And he went to every place of sin in the city, every bar, every house of ill repute, every place that he could find. And he hung that a picture up with her picture that said, Come home. She came into a bar one night, this daughter, and she saw this picture of herself with the words, Come home. And she thought, Maybe my mom really does want me to come home. She came home and came up on the front step and the, touched the door and the door was unlocked and she pushed it open and her mother came flying out and welcomed her with open arms. And she said, I didn't know if you would accept me again. And she said, the door has been unlocked every minute since you left. That's the forgiveness of a mother. We just love our children so much. Do you know that God loves you that much and forgives you that much? And the story of Bathsheba is such an amazing example of that. I want you to think about what the Bible says, 
Go to Proverbs chapter 31. I know you all know this passage. The virtuous mother. Look at verse 1. The words of King Lemuel. Now, this was a nickname that that, uh, Bathsheba had for Solomon, and it means unto God. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy, look at this, that his mother taught him. You ready for this? Do you know who Bathsheba is? The virtuous woman. That is the grace of God. Do you know what we ought to do? We ought to not talk about David and Bathsheba as the final chapter. We ought to talk about Solomon and the virtuous woman, his mother, Bathsheba. You see, that's God's power to change a life. That's God's power to take whatever it is that we've done wrong and if we seek His forgiveness and seek holiness through the blood of Jesus Christ, that He can take wherever we've come from and He can say, yes, there's wickedness. That baby had to die. There, yes, there is wickedness. Sin has to be punished. But you know what? God, He says, I will forgive. And I will make of you something wonderful. Moms, it would be better if that never happened. Would you all agree with that? It would be better. But if you have sin in your life, God will forgive it. And He will allow you to be an amazing mother. And then you young people, learn from those lessons and never step into the sin. Isn't God's grace wonderful? The power that God has to change a life. The power that God has to take us who are sinful and do something great with it. The power that God has to take a mother who feels like she doesn't have the strength to raise the children that she needs to. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can make it to where her children rise up and call her blessed. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word.